Hey, thanks for tuning in into the City Life Church podcast. We are a church in San Francisco, and we exist so that people that are far from God will encounter His presence and experience the life that only Christ offers. We pray that this word will challenge you and encourage you in your walk of faith with Jesus. Hey, uh, last week, Pastor Keys brought the beef. Amen. What a great word he brought, and a shout out to Improv Hov, who uh, also brought a great spoken word, and um, what, a, what a great team we've got around here. I'm so blessed. Before I jump into the last segment of this series that we've been in, I do need to honor, you know, the Bible says, bring honor to where honor is due. I got to honor Pastor Maida, who is with us from uh, All In Church in Orlando, Florida. Pastor Maida, we love you. Pastor Tony flew back to minister this weekend, but we love you. That's a, it's a sister church, literally. She's my sister-in-law. So it's a sister church, and uh, we're in it together, and they, uh, they planted during COVID. Well, if you, when you go to like church planting school, they say, whatever you do, don't plant during a global pandemic. Well, they did. <laughs> and uh, God's been blessing them. We're so proud of them and so thankful for them, their partnership. They're amazing people. And, uh, and today, I, I have to say, um, I get choked up. Um, after, I'm not a real emotional guy, Josh. Um, but after not seeing some of you guys for over a year, just like hanging out outside and seeing some of you guys walk in, Lizette, it's like, oh my gosh. It's like, man, my allergies are really like tough today. You feel me? And uh, so good to see many of you guys. And we're getting through this, right? Someone says that there's a light at the end of the tunnel and the light is approaching. Now, back in the day, uh, when they said that the light is at the end of the tunnel, that means that you are dead and you're approaching like heaven or whatever it was, right? Stay away from those red lights though. That's, that's hell. Um, but in a metaphor, as far as like getting through this pandemic, um, we are kind of getting closer to the new normal, right, Karwana? The new normal. We're never going back to the previous normal. It's the new normal. And uh, being able to hang out and socialize. As Pastor Isaac mentioned earlier today, um, we are launching a new season of care groups and life groups. And there's many groups that will start meeting in person. Finally, with great weather, there's great options there. So that kicks off in two weeks. I'm very pumped for that. And, uh, but just seeing so many of you guys, and again, when you come to our church, there's different little bracelets. If you're wearing the green one, that means that you're cool with handshakes, fist pumps, maybe Christian side hugs, you feel me? <laughs> if you're doing the yellow thing, maybe it's kind of like the little elbow greet, hey. And if you're wearing the red one, we respect that as well. It's just that maybe, maybe you're around people at home or other places that might be a little more susceptible, and we want to honor that and respect that. Those of you watching online, you are part of our church community. The church is not a building, it's not an event, it's the people of God. So we're all in this together, amen? Next Sunday, we have the treat of having uh, Bishop Jackson with us, and he's gonna be coming to preach on Mother's Day here at City Life. And uh, if you haven't met, met uh, Bishop and the First Lady Doris, they are incredible people, heroes of mine, and the Lord's brought our churches together in a beautiful way. And uh, he's gonna be coming and speaking a great word, and not just for the mamas, because it's Mother's Day, but for all of us. So whether you're here in person or watching online, I know you're going to be blessed. But one of, our, one of our things, one of our values here at City Life Church is we have core values that for us are just family values. They're non-negotiable. We like to have fun. We are a generous church. We're all about team. There's all these different values. And uh, next Sunday, we're going to be giving all the mamas in the building and those watching online a special gift as well as all the women. We celebrate women next Sunday. So all the gals, middle school, all, all the way up, we're gonna have a gift card just for you. And, and then we're gonna have like some prizes, some raffle tickets and some great gift baskets. Again, both, both for those of you present and those watching online, you can, you can engage and be a part of this. So it's gonna be a great time together. And then after the service, there's just gonna be a party and delicious cupcakes and goodies, all, I mean, all, we're like, 
sparing no expenses, Josh. So we're going to have a good time. Our church, we like to get down with some good food, right, Vinny? And uh, so for all of us, we're going to have all kinds of great cupcakes and desserts. It's going to be phenomenal next Sunday here at City Life Church. So today I get to wrap up the series that we've been in called Greater Than. And we're talking about the greatness of our God. Our God is a great God. He's not like a little wishy-washy kind of God, just like another little God that you add to like the shelf in your home or whatever. He is the almighty God. And we're talking about God being bigger and greater than anything and everything. And I kicked off the series talking about God is greater than me. He's greater than us. Many times we, we like to have God as a kind of like a little pocket God. When we get in trouble, we pull him, oh God, you know, and we, we cry out to him when we're in trouble. And, uh, but many times we're the ones that are seated on the throne of our own lives, but God is greater than that. And if he truly is God in your life, he needs to have that rightful place. He needs to be in control. Pastor Elena then followed up the next week and she preached about uh, God being greater than our pain. And she challenged us with this great quote talking about, don't tell God about your problems, tell, tell your problems about your God. Remind your problems how great your God is. God is great. Someone say, God is great. The psalmist says, and greatly to be praised. And then last week, Pastor Keys uh, came and he preached about God is greater than any opposition. And again, I love the spoken word that Hav brought. Greater than everything, greater than discouragement, greater than depression, greater than rejection, greater than your setbacks. God is greater than all those things. And the key verse, come on somebody, the key verse is, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Your God that you've invited into your life, he is greater than anything and anyone. Today, I want to continue the series, and the subtitle for this message would be this. God is greater than why? Because I'm going to talk about God being greater than our questions, and we got lots of questions, don't we, y'all? So let me just uh, build some faith real quickly and just kind of fire some, some scriptures to kind of build our faith a little bit and remind us all of how big and how great and how awesome our God is. Now, once again, I give you permission to preach with the preacher today. So whether you're watching online, interact with me, let me know, like say a PJJ, whatever, however way you want to interact, little emojis, we're all good. Just engage with the preacher today. Jeremiah 10, 6, it's going to pop on the screen. And as it pops on the screen, would you help me by reading it out loud? You ready? Let's read it together. Lord, there is no one like you, for you are great and your name is full of for he is great and his name is full of power. We can do a little bit better than this. Psalm 48 verse 1 and it says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be. I'm going to have you from the audience as loud as you can so that our online viewers can hear it. Let's go together. Ready? Greatly to be praised. Man, sometimes, Josh, I go back to some of my old school praise songs. And I don't know, I, some of you are a little more old school. The praise songs, Carwana from the 80s and the 90s. Man, we used to bust out the Psalms. And uh, man, we could sing Psalms. Like I navigate through the book of Psalms and I can start singing, Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised. Oh, that's old school right there. Oh, Jesus. In the city of our God. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's, that's old school. Excuse me. I'm having a little moment right now. Psalm 86, verse 10. Psalm 86, verse 10. Ready together? For you are great and you do wondrous things. You alone are God. Come on, somebody. He's a great God. He does wondrous things, incredible things, amazing things. Finally, Psalm 95, verse 3, it says, For the Lord is great and a great king above all gods. 
Oh, man, that was kind of a weak, like, golf clap right there, right? Can y'all help me one more time? There's two more verses. Y'all help me. For the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods. I got to apologize. I think I was the one that butchered it the first one. Y'all are like, ah, what verse is he reading? But thank you. Online, Nicole, thank you for praying with us and preaching with me. Brad, let's go. Jamie, let's go. Finally, Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2. And it says, I look up to the mountains... Does my strength come from the mountains? No, my strength comes from God who made heaven and earth and the mountains. I like that version right there. That's where our strength comes from. Let's give the Lord some praise. We look up to God, an incredible God. He's above all things. He knows all things and he does all things well. A million questions. Now, I've been a pastor for over a quarter of a century now. Pastor Elaine and I, I'm like, she still looks like a teenager. She looks young, but this dude right here, <laughs> I lost some hair in this journey but she's, she's a cute thing. But we've been doing ministry for a long time. And in ministry, we get to see good things, and we also get to see and experience tragic things, difficult things. We get to celebrate the birth of new ones and little babies and sometimes marriages and birthday parties and anniversaries. That's wonderful. People coming to faith, that's like my most exciting thing ever. It's like I love seeing people come to Jesus. But then we're also the ones that have to do funerals. And we have to counsel people as they're going through difficult times, when, when their families are experiencing tragedies and calamities and different things like that. And oftentimes people come to us as pastors and they ask the question, why? Why would God allow this to happen? Anybody ever have some questions before? Why does God allow these different, different things to happen? And many times I just like... I don't know. And I said, man, I, I know his character is good and he's perfect in all of his ways and he's an amazing God. He's a, he's a loving God. In Portuguese, we say, por que? Por que? Someone say, por que? Oh, look at y'all like speaking Portuguese in church now. Hey, all the Latinos, buenas tardes. <sighs> Why? Why do these things happen? And there's many people that have come to me and say, someday when I get to heaven, I'm going to have a long list of questions for God. Oh, snap. Like, don't, don't raise your hand. Maybe that was you. Like, I, I have a long list of questions. Why did the Niners have to wait like a quarter of a century to win another Super Bowl? God, like things like that, right? But these are some typical questions that as pastors, Elaine and I have, have heard. I'm sure Pastor Keys and Catherine, Pastor Lamia, Pastor Isaac, Pastor David, I'm sure, I'm sure we've heard these questions before, right, Catherine? So, so like, check it out. I just, I jot it down like, eh, just a few, like 25 and there could be many more, but these are some questions that I've been asked before. Why did God allow this family member, this loved one of mine to die? Why did he allow that? We were praying, we were believing. Why did he allow, particularly when they're young ones, little babies, young children? Oh my gosh. And it's like, and I don't have the answer. God is a good God. He's a perfect God. Why those things happen? I don't know. But people have questions like that. They'll say, why did God allow this infirmity or this sickness to take place? I was just with Pastor Frank Damasio in Portland this last week, one of my heroes of faith, incredible man of God. And he had this infection, this staph infection and different things. He's a cancer survivor, but all of a sudden he almost died within these last few weeks. So I had the privilege of going and being in his room with him and praying with him and encouraging him. And he could barely communicate, barely talk. And I'm thinking to myself, God, you're not done with this man yet. Why would you allow this to happen? Or last night talking to Prophet Bill Norton, who's been battling this physical thing for a couple of years now one of our overseers here. Why, God, there's so much more in store. Why is it that you've allowed these infirmities and these things? Is it the devil? Why, like, what, what's going on? Why? Here's another one. Why hasn't God sent me? Why hasn't God sent me a spouse yet? Some of you have been like, feeling like, man, 
By the way, singlehood does not mean that you're uh, empty or lacking anything. Uh, if you're, and people, and I hate it when people use the term, oh, this is a season because that implies that something is still not right. Oh, this is a season that you're single right now. And listen, God is a perfect God. He knows exactly what he has for you. People don't complete you. God completes you. But why hasn't God sent me a spouse yet? That's a thought that comes or a question that I'm asked from time to time. Why did God allow me to marry the wrong person? So that's the opposite. <laughs> some of you are praying for the spouse and some of you are praying the spouse out. Like, what's going on? Why does God not answer me sooner? Or why does God uh, allow so much pain and suffering? Why does God not deal with evil people and punish the wicked? Why does God allow so much hate, evil, and injustice? Why did God allow my heart to be broken? Why did God not protect my children? Why does God not bless me financially? Why did God make me this way? <laughs> when I was a kid, I used to like struggle with insecurities. I had freckles and I had to outgrow my ears. I had to catch up because my ears were like hanging out way out here. And I'm like, why did you make me this way? My mom's like, it's gonna be all right. You're not gonna care about it. She was right. And, uh, but why did you make me this way? God, why did you not protect my kids? God, why, why, has not, uh, why has God not already fulfilled his promises for my life? Why did God not save my marriage? Why is God punishing me? Why won't God heal my pain? Why doesn't God seem to care? A couple more. Why won't God make a way for me when he seems to make a way for everybody else? Why was I born into this family? Anybody, like maybe you're sitting next to some parents or sibling, like don't raise your hand on this one. But why were you born? You can choose your friends. You just can't choose your family. You were born into them, right? Why would God do this to me? Why would God allow my children to walk away from faith? Why do I feel stuck? Doesn't God see me? Why do so many have... Uh, why, why do so many people have to move away? Now, that's, that's, that's one that as a pastor, I'm, I'm asking God those questions. God, why do so many people have to move away? And as a pastor in San Francisco particularly, oh my Lord. You know, they said that over 100,000 people have moved out of San Francisco this last year. Uh, now, I know that people, people uh, find different opportunities in different places. But as a pastor, this ain't just a job for me, for us. It's a calling. And this isn't just something that we do on a Sunday morning where we come to try to preach and encourage people. We are emo emotionally invested. Come on, somebody. So there's no, I'm not saying that it's a sin to move away. It just, sometimes I have those questions. God, why are so many incredible people having to move away? Amen, somebody. Hey, let me encourage you with this thought too. The Bible says that there's safety in the multitude of counselors, right? Massive decisions like marriage or even relocation. Hey, holler at your boy. Holler to, talk to your pastors. Include counsel so that Sometimes it is the will of God, and sometimes it's not the will of God for you to, to make some radical changes like that. So include your, your leaders with that. Someone said, amen. Come on, somebody. I preach to myself. God, why do so many have to move away? Here's a very important one, Kenton, for you. Why did the Raiders move to Vegas? Even more importantly, why did the Raiders come here in the first place? Bonnie, I love you, all of our Raider fans. We love you. We come with all kinds of questions. Here's the fact for us today. We all have questions for God. Having questions itself is not wrong. It's not a sin to have, have questions. Even doubt is not a sin per se. It's what you do with doubt that can lead you into a sinful way or a sinful decision. I think of like the disciples. Jesus had Thomas known as the doubting Thomas, the doubting disciple. He had questions all the time. I, 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 gotta, I gotta touch Jesus' hands to make sure it's him. Listen, if that's how you're, you're wired, that's all right. That is okay. God wired you exactly the way you, you are, and that's all right to be that way. 
Again, it's how we respond and what we do with those questions. And so when it comes to questions, we all have them. Many questions, they will be answered by God in this lifetime, and many others won't. I'll say that again. Let me just kind of let that just kind of settle in. Many of the questions that we have, God will answer in this lifetime. But there are many others that God won't. When I was a young boy and I was living in Brazil, I don't even know if you guys know the city. It's called Apucarana, no Paraná. I was born and raised in this tiny little, like tiny town called Apucarana. If you don't speak in tongues, just repeat after me real quick. And one of my, my closest little buddies, he died of leukemia at a very young age, very young age. And it's like, why would God allow that to happen? And these were godly people, great people. Their parents would eventually actually become uh, significant leaders in the house, pastors and whatnot. And why would God allow that to happen? Sometimes we have these questions and sometimes God will answer in this lifetime, but many times we won't hear uh, until eternity. Let me talk to you about a series of unfortunate events. You think you've had a tough journey? You think it's been difficult navigating through this last season? Some of you are like, man, my whole life has been a pandemic. PJG, you don't understand the dysfunction that I grew up in. Listen, I may not understand your story, but God understands. But you think you've had a tough time? Look, look at this cat right here, Job in the Old Testament. There's a, he's such a special guy, there's a whole book named after him, 42 chapters, and it chronicles, it tells the story, the journey of this man that was highly favored of God. It says that Job was extremely, not just successful, but extremely successful. 10 children, seven boys, three girls happily married. His business was prospering. He didn't just have one business. He didn't have two. He had at least three that the Bible mentions. And in God's sovereignty, the devil does this little challenge. It's like, God, the only reason that this man serves you is because you've hooked him up and you've blessed him. And God's like, really? Is that what you think? But God already knew his heart. And God allowed these testings to take place in his life. And just like that, in one day, in one setting, all of a sudden, Job, he gets a messenger that comes in and says, uh, uh, Sir, uh, your business collapsed and crashed. This thing happened. And while he was talking, another messenger came in and reported that the second business had been destroyed. And then a third one. And, and just as that one's wrapping up that, that story, that uh, uh, report, another one comes and says, Sir, I'm so sorry. Your whole family, all of your kids, they died in this crazy accident. There's this massive storm and the house collapsed and they're all dead. Just like that. His life goes from being phenomenal to all of us saying like, what is going on? Why is this happening to me? And maybe that's your story where things were going so good and somehow, some way, the rug got pulled from underneath you. You were honoring God, perhaps. You were doing great things. You were living for him. It's not like you were Jonah running away from the purposes of God. Perhaps you were living righteously and out of nowhere, all these different things started happening. And then all of a sudden, if you read the book of Job, again, 42 chapters, his friends finally come and they start hanging out. His friends start challenging him, calling him out like, bruh, bruh, honestly, I mean, you look good on the outside. You talk the whole Christian game and all, you know, but there's, there's got to be something going on under that hood. There's something in your heart that's not right. And they start challenging this guy. And he's like, fellas, I've done nothing. I don't know what I've done wrong. I'm not sure why this is going on. So there's all this conversation. His wife, she means well, but then all of a sudden she's like, honey. And then he, he's inflicted with infirmity and sickness. And he's like, he's peeling boils off of his skin. It's like, homeboy's having a really, really tough time. <laughs> and she's like, baby, why don't you just curse God and die, poor thing? And she's like telling him just to tap out and just die. 
Like, that's not the kind of partner you need in that moment right there. Come on, somebody, right? He's having a really tough time. And then he begins to talk to God. He begins to articulate his frustrations with God. He begins to express his disappointments and different things. And he starts asking the big three-letter word, why? God, why? Why is this all happening to me? And it's amazing because he asked and he asked and God never actually answered him. He never answered the question that he was asking of God. Let, let me just kind of grab just a little tiny little synopsis, just a kind of tiny little. Finally, God began to speak to him in Job chapter 38. Let me read just the first five verses to you because it says this. And now finally God answered Job from the eye of the violent storm. And he said, why do you confuse the issue? Why do you talk without knowing what you're talking about? Pull yourself together, Job. Up on your feet. Stand tall. Come on. I have some questions for you now, and I want some straight answers. Where were you when I created the earth? Tell me, since you seem to know so much. Who decided on its size? Certainly, you'll know that. Who came up with the blueprints and the measurements? How was its foundation poured and who set the cornerstone while the morning stars, they sang in chorus and all the angels shouted praise? And he starts going, what about the snow? What about the wind? What about the water? What about, you know, like all these different things? Like how did all, all that come about? And he goes on this entire chapter and God basically challenges Job like, who do you think you are that you're going to come at me like this as though somehow, some way you're entitled to an answer? Just because you're a righteous person, just because you've done good deeds, it doesn't mean that God owes you anything. And what Job was hearing from God, God, God didn't answer the question. Why? Because God was actually looking at something much bigger. God could see the beginning, the middle, and the end. And oftentimes we're stuck in the middle, looking, uh, looking at life through like a little straw. And we can only see in part and know in part. And yet God sees everything and he knows surround sound. He sees it all. And we find ourselves frustrated in this moment, understanding, God, why does this happen? And God's like, that's not even the point. If you would just trust me, if you would just obey me, if you would just follow my instructions, I got you. I got your back. I know everything and everything I do is good and it's perfect. Check out my track record. But oftentimes when we're experiencing that pain and we're going through difficult times, it's as though we have these chats with God with our eyes wide open. God, I've been, I've been a tither. <laughs> Chief Tut in Arizona saying, say that. Thank you. Thank you, Noel. I've been faithful. I've been attending services faithfully. I attend at least once a month. And God's like, <laughs> I could talk about that for a minute. Sometimes we try to prove to God that we are worthy to be delivered. Sometimes God's best answer is by not answering you. Because sometimes, listen, somebody needs to hear this. Sometimes God is actually trying to grow us and he's trying to help us move to the next level. And if he gives us the answer ahead of time, we're going to miss the blessing and the test and we're not going to grow through the process, which means down the road, we're going to have to come back and take the same dang test all over again. In the midst of the journey, in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the pressures, sometimes God doesn't answer us. Why? Because that's best for us. God knows what's best for us. Someone say, God is greater. God is greater. God never answered Job's 
question. Here's the big, big, big idea for today. Here's the big idea. It's very simple. God doesn't owe anyone an explanation. Straight up. God doesn't owe us an explanation. He doesn't owe you an answer. It doesn't matter how good you've been or how not good you've been, how spiritual you are. God doesn't owe us a thing. He's not indebted to any one person. God is God and he transcends all limits, boundaries, and limitations. That's the kind of God that he is. Now, back in the day, my wife and I, when our kids were a little younger, um, <laughs> um, I remember this one story where um, uh, our youngest son hadn't been born yet. Ethan wasn't even around quite yet. But Erica, our oldest, she was pretty young. And uh, Juliana, the cute little thing, was just tagging along. And, and Jaden was just a little baby, little, little infant. And I remember us going to this park called Total Santos Park. And there we had some little friends that were invited to come and hang out with our kids. And Elena loved to go to the park. She, she still loves to go to the park. I like to stay home and watch football. Bum, 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 bum. She likes to go play in the park. Whether the kids come or not, she still likes to go to the park. <laughs> so she brings the kids to the park, and there's like this big old sandbox. There's like these different little toy structures and sandbox. And I remember being there, drinking my ice-cold caramel pizza, caramel macchiato, and just watching the kids play and doing their thing. And they're building their little castles, and they're going to the little water fountain with this bucket or something like this. And they're filling the bucket with water, and they're coming, and they're building some sand castles. You feel me? Any parents in the building? You've been to the beaches? And all of a sudden, bless you, all of a sudden there's like some little scoopler thingies, little pails, little, I don't even know what this is called. It's a toy, all right? And a little shovel thingy. And um, these friends of ours that, that were hanging out with us, all of a sudden one, one, one kid reaches over to Erica and pulls the little, this little shovel thingy. What is this called anyways? A shovel. Thank you very much. Just checking, make sure you're still awake and alert. Online, it's a shovel. It's a shovel. How do we say shovel in, in Portuguese? Como é que se like y'all are learning Portuguese today. Everyone say pa. That's easy, right? I'm like, you learned two words today already. Pa. So all of a sudden, Erica's playing with her pa. And a little friend reaches over and grabs it from, from Erica and pulls it out of her hand. And it's kind of like, ooh, you know, and moments later, she, she puts it down. And Erica, she's the owner. She actually reaches over and takes it back and she continues her little project. And then the friend says this, give me back my shovel. <laughs> and then Erica's like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. Just like her mom. Oh, it's okay. I'll play with it for a little bit more. And when I'm done, you can have your turn. And then the friend retorts and she says, if you don't give it back to me, we're never going to be friends again. <laughs> Any parents know what I'm talking about? Right? Come on, somebody. Where did they learn that from, by the way? I'm just saying. If you don't give it back to me, we're never going to be friends. And as I was prepping this message, the story came back to me, and God kind of reminded me, like, that's how a lot of my Christian family treat me. That's how my sons and daughters treat me. That if I don't answer them on their timing, on their terms, and on their turf, they're just never going to be friends again until they need me again. And people drift from faith because God doesn't answer their guys. They have questions that God doesn't answer, and therefore they're like, fine then, be that way, God. I don't even believe that you exist. Listen, I'm sorry, but that's kind of like that first grade behavior again. And yet we're talking about grown adults. Maybe you're in the room today. Maybe you're like, uh, I've done that before. Maybe you're watching online. And you're like, oh, snap, I've been there. Maybe you're there right now. 
Listen, you can't arm wrestle God. You can't force your agenda. You can't manipulate an all-knowing, all-powerful God who knows all things already. Even before you had those darn thoughts, he already knew you were going to have them, and he still loved you. It blows my mind to think how, oh, God is building, by the way, with the shovel. He keeps on building, Josh. It's amazing how God knows when people are going to, quote, backslide or drift from faith, and yet he bestows love and compassion on them all along. He knows those that are going to drift from him and become cold or even calloused. And yet he doesn't measure his love like, nah, this dude's a loser. I'm just going to give him a little bit of love. Now he continues to love us all with everlasting love. And yet oftentimes, this is my encouragement to you as pastor. I'm, I'm, I'm here to remind you. This is basic stuff, but I'm here to encourage you. Don't treat God like just another little friend as though you can manipulate his ways. If God wants to answer your question, he will. And God knows when we can handle the truth and when we can handle the true answer. If he hasn't answered yet, it's likely that we're just not ready for the truth. We're not ready for the complete answer. Can I get a loud amen from the congregation? Want to hold my pa? Thank you, sir. What happens when, when God goes silent then? How, how, how should we respond when we're praying and God doesn't answer. Now, let's be honest. How many of you have had that experience before? Just raise it. Don't lie in church now. Come on. You've, you've prayed. Come on. Let's see some hands. Only three of you. Fernando, come on. You've prayed and God didn't answer. Like, why, why, Evelyn, why does God take so long sometimes? Right? What happens when God goes silent? I'm going to give you four very basic steps. These are action steps for us, basic answers. This is how we should respond when there's delay in the answers. Number one, remember this, it's still okay to ask why. It's still okay. When you read the book of Jeremiah, you're reminded of a verse that, that says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope in the future. And many people can quote that verse from Jeremiah. Did you also know that Jeremiah wrote the book of Lamentations? That's a sucky book. All, all of Bible is good, but that's a difficult book to read sometimes, to lament, to cry, to mourn, to grieve. And for five chapters, Jeremiah is chopping it up with God, and he's having this conversation. Why, God? Why? We are your prized people. Why is it that my people are suffering? Why is it that we're surrounded by, by opposition, as Pastor Keyes preached about last week? Why is it that all hell is breaking loose? My people are dying, God. They're starving. And you're a God of covenant, but you've allowed these things to happen. And he is crying out to God and he's, he's whining and he's crying and he's lamenting. He's having these deep conversations with God. And yet he didn't disqualify himself with God. Let me help you with this thought. First thought is this. It's okay to ask God why, but then it leads us to the second one. Resist the urge to accuse him. When he doesn't answer you, and let's be honest, sometimes when bad things happen on the inside of us, let's be honest, come on somebody, be honest. Sometimes we're like, God, like, did you like forget? Like, I'm your favorite, remember? Remember I had, you have my picture on your refrigerator? Come on, God. Hashtag favor ain't fair. That's me, remember? And there could be a tendency within us for us to want to just kind of like accuse God of like somehow, somehow missing what he should have done. God, it was, it was up to you to come through. The Bible says that the devil, he is the accuser. And if we allow these thoughts to bombard our minds, where the enemy begins to influence our thinking, we could find ourselves 
pointing the finger at God as though somehow, some way, he owes us anything. So number one, it's okay to ask God questions. Number two, resist the urge to accuse God. Some of you are still kind of thinking like, really, is it okay to ask God? Isn't that like challenging his character? Not at all. Think of Jesus hanging on the cross. Father, Father, why have you what? Forsaken me. Why? He's asking the why. Even Jesus himself was asking. So asking in itself is not wrong, but be careful how you respond. Number three, choose to wait and to trust him. When the answers don't come, it's still a choice. It's not an emotion. Choose. I'm going to wait. I'm going to trust you, God, even when I don't get it. Even when the going gets tough and my head is spinning and people don't understand me. I'm still going to trust you. And God, even if I never get an answer until I finally graduate and go to heaven, God, I'm still going to trust you. You're worthy to be praised, number four, and that is this, then praise anyway. In the silence, praise anyway. If your praise is contingent on blessings, you aren't a praiser. You are not a worshiper. Come on, somebody, you need to hear that. If you only praise when things are going good for you, then you're not mature in your faith. Real talk. Because it's in the dark hours of life that some of the most expressive acts of worship come from the deep within us. As you study Psalms and you hear David, for instance, as he's navigating and he's in the cave and he has the call. The prophet of God had anointed him. Listen, somebody. When Samuel came to the house of Jesse and he bypassed seven sons first, David already experienced some rejection then. Finally, he is pointed out. Finally, he is appointed and anointed for the call that God, on his, God had on his life. And yet he still had to go back to tend to some sheep. He still had to go through the processes. And God in his infinite wisdom and in his sovereignty, because he is greater than knew that at the right time, at the right place, there would be a giant by the name of Goliath that would be a setup for promotion and breakthrough. And just because David had a great win streak didn't mean that his problems would go away. Because then all of a sudden he overcomes this Goliath and then there's a greater giant that he would have to face. And that is personal friendships. People that are close to us. When all of a sudden the king who invited him to his table all of a sudden is trying to kill him. He all of a sudden had a, he had to go to war and it's him and go to, go to war with himself. Not even go to war with King Saul because he wouldn't touch him. And it's in these dark moments when he feels betrayed. Listen, he was appointed. He was anointed. The spirit of God rested upon him and yet all hell was coming against him. People didn't understand his motives. Even at one point, his own men had turned on him and he was hearing the whispers. We've given everything to follow this man, but we've lost everything now. And these men cried until they couldn't cry no more. Even in that dark hour, he still stirred himself up, up in the Lord. Why? Because he knew what it means to praise a greater God. Greater than my circumstances, greater than my opposition, greater than my challenges, and greater than my why. God, why is this happening? It doesn't matter. I'm going to praise you through it. Some of y'all need to like put on your garments of praise. Shake off the dust from your disappointments. Shake off the dust from your dysfunctions. Shake off the dust from your disillusionments and your delays and all the other D words that come, come to mind. You got to shake off all that stuff and come on, put on your garments of praise. I'm going to choose to praise my God in the good times, in the difficult times. He is still a great God. He is greatly to be praised. I'm going to give him the praise that he deserves, not because I feel it, but because he deserves it. That's my God. 
And when we can kind of like come into that place of, ag of agreement, who cares about the questions? All of a sudden, those things just kind of diminish. They're not as relevant anymore. Psalm 34 verse 1, it says, I will praise the Lord no matter what happens. I'm going to praise him no matter what happens. Psalm 150 verse 1 and 2, it says, Praise God in his holy house of worship. Praise him under the open skies. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his magnificent greatness. That's why we praise him. You give thanks for what he's already done, but you praise him with no strings attached. You give thanks for things that he is about to do, but praise comes with no strings attached, meaning you give him praise regardless of what he's done for you or what he will do for you. He's just simply worthy to be praised because he is great, greater than. Years ago, uh, Francis Chan, man, one of my favorites, he preached and he used this analogy and I'm like, my gosh, this, this is awesome. And he was talking about life. And if life was like, well, if this was like your life, my life, we all have a beginning. We are, we are infinite beings in the sense that we are eternal beings. We have a start, but we don't have a finish. God, by, by contrast, we are finite beings. God is infinite. God has no beginning and he's got no end. We have a beginning and we have no end. We are eternal. That's why it's so important for us to shine the light of who God is to those around us. Why? Because if people don't know God, they're going to experience eternal separation from God. So we've got a moment in time. It's a short moment in time. If this represents your life, the beginning is right here. But the end, eternity goes on for millions upon millions upon millions. And I could just go on with this analogy because there's like a hundred feet, Dave, a hundred feet of life yet to be lived. And yet our time here on earth is just like, well, like the vapor, it's short. There's a clock ticking in our existence here on earth. Our days, the Bible said they are measured. So whether some of us live a few years or a long life in the scope of eternity, It's nothing. And yet, so many of us focus on just this tiny little, short little moment of our existence when there is eternity ahead, where we get to praise God forever and ever and ever and ever, and yet we get so consumed with just the now. Why, God? Why? 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 And if you could grab a picture and an understanding of how your existence is so much bigger than your why right now, pretty soon, it's not that your why isn't important, but in the big picture, it's not that important. It's very small by contrast. Some of us are trying to work our tails off so that at the end of this journey, we have more money to buy that cabin in Tahoe. Come on, somebody. We work our tails off to get that degree. And we wasted time with our children, family members, church, community. Because, we're, and by the way, I'm not against uh, academic achievements. I think it's phenomenal. But some of our priorities in the scope of eternity, they're so small. Yeah. And we're so consumed in trying to get God to answer all of our questions when in the context of eternity, they're so tiny. I hope that this visual reminds us as it helped me when Francis preached. It's like, man, life is short. It's important. Everything we experience is important. But in light of eternity, it's not that big. If I can leave you with this thought today as we pray, as we pray and wrap things up.
your pain that you're feeling, it's real. If you're experiencing disappointment, it's real. I'm not diminishing that. And I'm hoping you're hearing my heart. I'm not trying to dismiss that. It's real. I get it. But in the scope of eternity, though, let me remind you, life goes on. And there are certain things here that we will never get an answer to. And when we get to heaven, when we say, oh, man, God's going to have to explain a bunch of stuff to me. When we get to heaven, all of a sudden, it won't matter no more. Because when you enter into the presence of God Almighty, all of a sudden, all those lesser things that are temporal, all of a sudden, they disappear. Why? Because great is our God. He is so great. He's so magnificent. He's so incredible. All those other things that I was I don't even remember those things. God, the focus then becomes him and his greatness, his magnitude. God is greater. God is greater. Let me pray for us today. God, we thank you for who you are. We stand in awe of your greatness, God. Who is man that you are mindful of us, your word says. Who are we, God? And yet in your heart of a father and the heart of love that you have for us, Lord, you know all of us and you care deeply about each and every one of us. Father, forgive us for at times trying to corner you. We at times have accused you perhaps and we felt that as though somehow, some way you owed us an explanation. Forgive us, God. We're sorry. Father, our, our hope is in you. Our trust is in you. We're not going to look to the obstacles around us or our hardships or our difficult things or even the pain that we experience. We're not going to allow those things to determine or dictate our worship and our praise to you. You simply are worthy to be praised. So, Father, from this moment moving forward, we just declare how great you are. Our gaze is upon you. Our focus is upon you. Our eyes are steadfastly upon you, God. We're going to look to you the maker of the heavens and the earth. We're going to pursue you with everything in us, God. God, I thank you for this church family, both those in person and those watching online. I thank you, God, that you're a good God, and you know all of our struggles. You know all of our cares, those things that would fill our minds and hearts, keep us up at night at times. They don't go unnoticed. God, we choose to throw our concerns, our cares upon you, God, because you care for us. So, Lord, whether you choose to answer our questions now or not, either way, we're going to worship you and we're going to trust you. I pray for faith to be released upon each heart today. I pray for courage to be released into every listener's ears today. I thank you that you are the lifter of our head. Holy Spirit, you are the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of encouragement. I pray for a spirit of encouragement to be released upon your people today. Let hope arise within each one. Father, I thank you that you're the God that continues to write straight, even on crooked lines. Even when things don't make sense, you're still a good God and you're a God that is greater than all those questions. And God, I thank you that you're, you hold our future in your hands. Our existence, the plug of our existence is in your hands. Therefore, with confidence, Lord, we say that it's in you that we live and move and have our being. God, we give you praise. We give you honor. 
We give you glory. We bless the name of the Lord our God. And all of God's people said, amen Amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise today. Hey, if your life isn't right with Jesus, if you're not right with God today, I want to encourage you to make a bold decision. Say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. Take control. Be the Lord of my life. I don't want to call the shots on my own. I need you to, to, to be the one that's, that's driving my life. If that's something that you would love to do, I want to encourage you today. There's a little QR code right in the front seat in the row ahead of you. Uh, take a snap picture of that real quick. Fill that out. And then we're going to uh, introduce you to our team at the Connection Center there. They love to help you take your next step of faith. I'm going to turn this service uh, over to Pastor Elena. Those of you watching online, love you. God bless you. We'll see you at Mother's Day next Sunday. Peace.